Thanks, Josh. What did he say? <laughs> I said four, 49 oh, yeah, minutes no problem. into pod, Harrison arrives. <laughs> it was like a it's wrestling help editing out. Yeah, it's a wrestling <laughs> entrance. You know, the guy just like, and then like storms. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Harrison. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran. On the line, this guy is just... Are you in the play-in in your own house, Josh? Like, how does that work? If you're in the doghouse, are you just in the play-in? Or are you, are you punching things? Are you punching walls? Or like... No, I'm more like, the, I'm more like the Dallas Mavericks. I just tanked my way out, and now I'm in the basement. Yeah, you, you belong down there. The banger that paint our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia. How you feeling? You know what? Uh, all the energy has been uh, drained out of me. I just want to punch a wall and be out for the rest of the playoffs. But uh, don't call me McDaniel's. Okay. Let. Uh, yeah. Okay. Can we just get into this immediately? Then, obviously, we know what happened in the last day of the season. The Timberwolves had this like weird issue between Carl Anthony Towns and Kyle Anderson, calling him a bitch, which is you know hilarious in a lot of different levels. And then, on, so Rudy gets sent home at halftime, blah, blah, blah. And then on top of this, like, something that just goes super under the radar, their best defender, perimeter defender, arguably their best defender, Jaden McDaniels just, like, punches a wall because he picked up his second foul early. I got that right, right? Like, he just, like, punched a wall out of frustration and then broke his hand? I was going to ask you guys about this. Why was he in the tunnel? Yeah, I was in between the half, and he had picked up his second foul, and I don't think he was playing well, and then he just punched the wall. Oh, I thought he went there in, like, the end of the first quarter. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, it wasn't at halftime. It was, oh, okay. um, I, I, I thought that he was just going back to, like, get something looked at. I don't know. Maybe he was trying to go to the bathroom. He was just like, man, I'm going to miss some playing time, and then boom. <laughs> yeah, and in any case, for this play-in game against the Lakers, the Timberwolves are going to be missing... Rudy Gobert, one game suspension by the team, which kind of makes sense. And Jaden McDaniels. So, uh, you know, good luck covering that LeBron Anthony Davis pick and roll in Minnesota. You're going to have Carl Anthony Towns and Torian Prince being your primary defenders here. Or Kyle Anderson. Um, I mean, we can just pencil in the Lakers for this, right? Like, there's no, there's no question that they're going to they're gonna dominate Minnesota in this game. Without these, like, they're two most important defenders on this team for Minnesota. Especially that LeBron matchup. Like, who is going to be guarding LeBron with McDaniels? At least he's someone who probably could have given you 15 to 20 minutes on LeBron. And Minnesota doesn't have that many big, fast wing players um, that they can plug into that rotation. Yeah, I even think the fact that they're sitting or suspending Rudy for one game, I think they look at this matchup against the Lakers as, hey, if they start off hot, if Ant goes off, Cat catches fire, things go well, great. They're in the game. They have a chance to win. But I think they're looking at that second game um, against either the uh, OKC Thunder or a rematch against the Pelicans at the end of the season um, as their Let's see if we can make the playoffs because I think Rudy will be back for that. And uh, that should be an interesting game. Yeah, I just want to go back to the Rudy thing for a second because he spoke to a reporter right before the game happened. And he said this about Kyle Anderson. 
Kyle wants to win, and sometimes he's a little aggressive in the way he talks, but I don't take it personally. I receive it in a positive way because it comes from a place of wanting me to be the best Rudy I can be and wanting us to win. I love his competitiveness. Love the way he plays the game. The way he makes others around him better. He's been a huge part of this year. Great timing, eh? That guy's <laughs> article is going to be read by a lot of people, yeah, I'm sure. It's going to blow up, <laughs> But, man. uh... Yeah. yeah and, wow. And also, the, there was obviously reports coming out that Rudy was playing that game injured. And uh, I think the conversation went, block some shots, go get some rebounds, shut the fuck up, you bitch. And then proceeded to basically go into, I guess, some pushing and shoving. I don't think it was malicious by Rudy, but he clearly lost his cool. And the funniest is he had to back up and, like, he backed away. And everyone's trying to hold Kyle Anderson back. But, like, he's slow-mo for a reason. Like, he wasn't going to, like, do a quick attack. That's not his style. Yeah, I mean, Torian Prince went after him, too. Torian was on uh, Kyle Anderson's side, which is sort of unnoticed, but Torian Prince was not happy with Gobert in that moment, either. Uh, But, uh, you know, going back to the matchup, it's hard to see the Lakers losing this just based on Minnesota being down not only those two players, but also, you know, they lost Nas Reed a couple games ago as well, and he would have been huge for them. I think he's played pretty well against the Lakers this year. And overall, in the second half of the year, Nas Reed was breaking out. Um, so being down three of your key rotational pieces and, you know, two of who are supposed to be your best defensive players, obviously, with McDaniels and Gobert. I would say if McDaniels was playing in this game, I think Minnesota would have a pretty good shot at winning because they would have the big wings and they'd have more defensive versatility to throw at, you know, the Lakers guys in the half court. And that would probably lead to Minnesota hopefully playing less frantic defense and fouling. This is basically like the worst matchup for Minnesota because the Lakers get the foul line better than anybody in the NBA. Minnesota, I think, fouls more than anybody in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But Gobert being out helps them in a way because the Lakers like to get on the fast break now with their new lineup. And now they can play you know more forwards, which is good for their um, absolutely terrible transition defense. When they play two big guys, they just get slaughtered in transition. So that'll help them a little bit. But, you know, if Carl Towns picks up um, a couple fouls in the first half or picks up if? four by the... If. Yeah, I mean, even <laughs> the Pelicans game, he had four by the eight-minute mark in the third quarter. He had a great game when he came back in. I mean, he had like 32 points. Why are we surprised? In this kind of game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to stay out of foul trouble when you're playing the team that gets the most free throws in the NBA and you're going against most likely Anthony Davis unless they really invert the matchups and play Towns on... Um, I guess somebody else in the starting lineup. So we'll see. Most likely, I guess. Yeah. This is also shaping up for the Lakers to be obviously a good matchup, but I think they're looking at if they were to win this game, they end up playing the Memphis Grizzlies, um, which I think, I don't think they're batting an eye. I think this is a great matchup for them. Um, They're just obviously, when they're firing, they're a pretty good team. And if Ant, like Anthony Davis um, can stay on the court and play 30, 35 minutes a game, they probably have a good chance at advancing in the first round as well. So, hey, you know what? Lakers win one game and they have a pretty favorable matchup considering that this season they started off with Russ as their starting point guard. They had Pat Bev. 
They had literally no wing players outside of LeBron. Um, but look, it's it's shaping up to be a, at least a promising postseason for them. Yeah, we're going to... The Lakers might have, like, low-key stumbled upon the best situation for them here, right? Obviously, we talked about the Timberwolves not having their two best defenders. Lining up against the Grizzlies, who, again, don't have Brandon Clark or... Steven Adams will most likely be out for the series as well. And then you're going up, if, assuming that they can get past the Memphis Grizzlies, you got either the Sacramento Kings or the Golden State Warriors, both of which are small and will give up a lot of points to guys like Anthony Davis, right? So, I mean, just out of like a very broad surface level look at it, it's a pretty nice schedule for the Lakers. Uh, do we give the Timberwolves any chance in this game or? Are we looking at them playing against, uh, I don't know, who you guys have between OKC and the Pellies coming up after this? I mean, I, I think they have, like, at least a... A, a puncher's chance? Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well it, done. It, it's, I didn't want to say that. It's, it's, it's a Rudy Gobert punch. It's like a soft, like, like a touch, you know? Yeah, like, also, yeah, was that really a punch? Come on, was that really... It was a like, come on, man. That, that's what it was, probably, yeah. if anything. Was it a push? But, I don't know. It was like a hard push. <laughs> a hard. Yeah. I mean, they can play the variance game, right? Like Minnesota does take a lot of threes. So that's one way they can actually stay in the game and potentially beat the Lakers because the Lakers, if you look at their starting lineup, like they don't have a ton of three-point shooting if LeBron's not shooting the three well. Like Russell's on and off, obviously, and that's one thing we haven't really talked about yet is uh could be a revenge game. And Beasley hasn't played that much in the last... 25 games because Austin Reeves is a fucking beast. So it's it's going to be tough for Minnesota again because the Lakers just get to the free throw line and get in the paint at will. Um, but they do shoot more threes than the Lakers. And if Towns actually stays in the game and Anthony Edwards has somewhat near a performance of what he did last game, even though his stats didn't really you know show you what he really did, especially in the fourth quarter. But I think the key to the game is Mike Conley. Um, because he's going to have to put up at least like 20 points in the game with uh, the lineup they have out there right now, losing three you know, key rotational guys and not having a lot off the bench you can really rely on. And then you need like one of those bench guys to come in and give you like a, a big boost. Like maybe Jalen Noel comes in after sitting a bunch of games and he gives you 15 points off the bench out of nowhere. You need one guy just to come off the bench and give you something unexpected for them to win the game. Cue the Austin Rivers game. Cue it up. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. I, I, Playoff I, performer. I can look at this game and it just, I don't know why, but I envision what happened. Uh, was it last year when like Carl Anthony Towns just got into a shit ton of foul trouble and barely played? Was that last year or the year before? That was last year. Last year? It was last year. I can see yeah. that happening again, especially against Anthony Davis and LeBron attacking the rim. Um, and he's really their only um, center, right? Our rim protector, um, given the injuries to uh, Nas Reed and obviously suspension to Gobert. Again, it, it just sounds like Minnesota's like, all right, we're going to take our chances against New Orleans or OKC. Who do you guys have in that, in this OKC-New Orleans matchup? Like, I've, we, I don't know, we talked about it last week or two weeks ago, but I personally don't want to see the Pelicans without Zion. So I'm a hard pass on that team, but and, yeah. you know I want to see Shea, man. 
Canadian brother. Let's go. Let's get is, it. Is, is this Peter the Denver Nuggets fan? You don't want to see the Pelicans or or you rather you know, see? Hey, no Denver Nuggets are scared of, of, of a Zionless Pelicans team, man. Come on. Nobody is scared of that team. I, want, I just want OKC to get some reps. I want young guys in the playoffs. Why not? Have some fun with it. You're not having any CJ McCollum flashbacks? <laughs> nah. Game no. seven? No, no, not when it was. Who was on that team covering him? Will Probably Barton? Will Barton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Out of the league. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's in the Eastern Conference play-in. But... Oh, with the Raps, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I'm not. I'm not really concerned about CJ McCollum with like guys like KCP and Bruce Brown who are just gonna hawk him, right? I'm good, chilling yeah. as a Denver Nuggets fan, chilling until the yeah. second round, <laughs> chilling. <laughs> yeah, I I think the more interesting one eight matchup would be the Timberwolves against uh, the Nuggets. Honestly, I mean, unless the Lakers, obviously, but that's probably not gonna happen. But nah, at least the Timberwolves have some guys that you can throw at. Uh, I mean, you can't really throw him at Jokic. I just want to see Gobert get destroyed again by Jokic. But at the same time, at least you have some guys that can actually pop in the playoffs, right? You got Carl Towns. You got Anthony Edwards. You got some guys that can maybe get a game or two off Denver, potentially. Um, I think Oklahoma City, even though it would be fun to see Shea in the playoffs against them, they would just get absolutely... Like, Jokic might put up the greatest stats ever in a first-round series against... Who won Oklahoma City? Like who even plays center? Like Jalen Williams, the guy's like uh, yeah. six foot seven, right? <laughs> so I would rather New Orleans or uh, the Timberwolves to face the Nuggets just out of like an yeah. entertainment perspective, so it's not a blowout every game. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say just even from a betting perspective, I think the smart money is on the Pelicans. They just have a bit more experience in those. Um, crucial games last year they were a surprise team and obviously they don't have zion and it's just they're not going to make it as far but they still have ingram who's a pretty clutch player and he can get a shot uh they have cj um they have some really good wing players that aren't household names but they're very good at what they do so um again i i think the pelicans are probably going to win this game and i think it it'll be close for Maybe two and a half quarters, maybe at the end of the third, but they'll pull away. Sad stuff, man. I was hoping someone else would be on my OKC side. Nah, no, that's okay. No, no. Shay's yeah. a possible fifth, like uh, a fifth vote, number five vote for M- and for MVP this year. You know, he's an all NBA caliber guard this year, and just no love. Yeah. We'll, we'll get I mean, to awards later. He's gonna have. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> um, he is going to have Herb Jones on him, hawking him the entire game. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to how you know Jonas plays in that game. Because going back to the whole like Jokic versus OKC thing, like again, OKC has no centers. Ooh, Dario so if, Saric, let's go! Oh God, yikes! <laughs> uh, He's gonna bleed those JV points. can impose his will and get you know fifteen plus rebounds and be a beast on the offensive glass. He can actually stay in the game like he couldn't in you know the game against Minnesota, then maybe you know this is a going away game for the Pelicans. But um, yeah, Shea's gonna have to put up like forty plus points, and Giddy's gonna have to have a massive performance, obviously. So it'll be fun to see like Lou Dort on the other end against uh, Ingram, though. It'll be a fun matchup. Oh, Dort's gonna push him around, man. Ingram yeah. probably just elevate over it because yeah. it's a little bit shorter, but Dort's strong. 
I think Dort's what six six, but Ingram's like six eight, six nine, even taller. Ingram's probably. got that wingspan, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Dort is like three hundred pounds. Yeah, but yeah, Lou Dort might actually have like a negative wingspan or like a one to one ratio. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think Ingram is gonna get like he's gonna get flustered maybe, but his game isn't that much inside. It's a lot of mid range, a lot of like kind of vintage Demar. So he gets to his spot, and just elevates. So. Vintage Demar. Okay, so <laughs> what I'm hearing is uh, Lakers and then Timberwolves in the eighth spot. Is that what you guys are thinking here? Well, that if it ends up coming down to Timberwolves versus the Pelicans, honestly, you flip a coin. Uh, you you are missing Nas Reed. You don't have McDaniel's. Um, those are I would say like depth losses. Those are probably the seventh, sixth, seventh guys off the bench for your Timberwolves. And we know in the playoffs, especially in a one game situation, like you're really as good as your top seven and Minnesota's down two of their top seven players. Right. And will that whole altercation with Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert distract them possibly. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's like a 50, 50. I will Give the edge to Minnesota if I had to say. They just recently beat the Pelicans. Um, they probably have a bit more star power and uh they'll they'll be playing at home, so you know, that's how I'd give the edge to. Disagree. Minnesota's headed for a full flame out. I think that this is gonna be like considered one of the worst seasons ever by a team just based on the trade that they made and where they're going. So I think they're headed for a full flame out and they are going to have a lot of major decisions to make in the off season. So I'm going to say the Pelicans make the eighth seed yep. and the Lakers make the seventh seed. To, to be honest, you just convinced me how stupid my idea was. Yeah. The, and, the Pelicans honestly, are going to win. Like it is better. Like if they could have inverted the suspension and had Gobert sit out the second game potentially and play in the Lakers game, they would have a much better shot in both games. Right, because you'd have Gobert at the rim against the Lakers, who like to get to the rim, and then against the Pelicans, like you saw in the second half, like Towns is a much better matchup for Minnesota playing at center against the Pelicans because you force JV out of the game, and then Towns can go to work against whatever forward they put on him because they didn't want to put Nance on him because he just killed Nance in the in the third quarter. Um, so yeah, I think like playing Towns at center against the Pelicans is better, but Gobert is better at center against the Lakers, so. I think that's going to end up hurting them with Gobert playing against the Pelicans, honestly. Just imagine that, though. Imagine they're like, we're doing an internal investigation. Let him play against the Lakers. <laughs> they lose the game. Oh, no, oh, we're going to suspend him. That should have been the move. You're right. An internal investigation would have definitely been the move. <laughs> Just that deep dive into why Rudy was called a little bitch during the yeah, timeout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just confirming that Rudy was indeed a bitch. <laughs> uh man screw you guys i'm still going with okc in the eighth spot oh wow i like it Two wins. On the edge. also i'm gonna say uh the sacramento kings beat the warriors Pete, in this first uh, round series peter peter Riding the, high baby the beam is Are we gonna talk about this, this podcast or the next podcast what's that we're we gonna talk about that series in this podcast or we next do, podcast let's do it right now josh all right let's go Let's go. Andrew Wiggins is not in shape to play basketball. One. Guaranteed he is not in shape. This dude has been 
I don't want to say he's been chilling, but he has not been putting on uncourt work. And honestly, the Warriors probably should have played him in the last two, two or three games of the season. I don't know why they didn't. You think that running a scrimmage or running a one or two a day practices is the equivalent of playing NBA games? Come on, man. Yeah, Peter, like, let's just get this straight. You want a team that has virtually no playoff experience. Obviously, they have Harrison Barnes. Sabonis has been to the players. Yes, yes, but that was... He was (laughs) playing for the team that pretty much has the same core. Obviously, they're aged by, like, seven years. Um, But they have two players, really. With some playoff experience that I can name off the top of my head. Or three. Herder as well. Um, In a franchise where there's just so much joy and excitement for them making the playoffs. Versus a team that won the championship last year. That was overlooked. That knows their playing style. And both teams here don't play defense. And I just trust the Golden State Warriors to consistently put up more points than the Kings. They're just more consistent. It's not like, oh, an offense, defense, a matchup thing. Like, Golden State leaks points. So does the, so do the Kings. But Golden State just does it better. And they're more efficient. And they've done it more in these playoff situations. They're they're going to come into this series licking their chops. They're going to be like, this is just fresh meat for them. A nice introduction for Wiggins. He doesn't have to play 35 minutes a game guarding KD. Right? Like, he's got, he can play... They can get away with him playing 20, 25 minutes a game. Max. No, they'll need him to play 30-plus minutes to guard Fox. He's not going to be guarding they're Fox. Not, what, they, they, you think they're going to leave Steph to cover Fox? Fox is going to blow by him every possession. They had Gary Payton. stopped at the rim by Draymond, who's like six foot seven and slow. Don't put... Draymond's hey, not the same defender anymore, man. Yeah, l- l- let's just uh, not forget the rebound uh, fifth man of the year... Kevon Looney. <laughs> really? Are we are we really talking about Kevon hey, Looney here? He he's perfect for what that team needs out of him. Like he does his job, yeah, he rebounds, he's good sure. on the offensive board. He's sure, a versatile he's defender. Of, he's gonna he's gonna commit two quick fouls every other game. Same way Cat does. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, um, Sacramento's obviously have yeah, the home court advantage, obviously, right? And their home record's 23-18. and 18. I think Golden State has a streak still from whenever the you know the dynasty started, really, of winning at least one road game in the last, what, seven years in the playoffs in every single series? I think it's something like that. Hold on, are you talking about the same Golden State team who has the worst road record of any playoff team this year? Regular season. That no team, one right? cares. No one cares about Again, the regular yeah. season. They're, Regular season. Nobody cares, huh? No, now nobody suddenly cares. nobody cares? Okay, sure. If that's how you want to look at it. Like, you think this team has the same hunger that they did last year? No. You think that these guys aren't just chilling now because they got another ring? That they finally did it without KD after the, all these years? Come they on, have doubt. They have doubters just like you. And that's their motivation. And it's not no, like... Nobody is doubting Golden State. That's the problem. Everyone oh, yeah, says... Yeah, they're going to be a huge favor in this series. They are guaranteed to be a huge favorite. They're the oh. returning champs. Andrew Wiggins is like this amazing X factor that nobody in the world has ever seen before somehow. <laughs> and they have all this veteran experience. Obviously, they have veteran experience. We all know about this, like this long dynasty, if you want to call it that. But they're like, the drive isn't the same. They're still going to have Jordan Poole chucking up shots right beside Steph. 
Like all these issues are are systematic in the team. And on top of that, their best defender is just coming back from like a month and a half hiatus. He's not going to play 30 minutes a game and he doesn't need to. And it, they're going to be fun games. They're going to be close games. I'm not going to say that Sacramento is going to shit the bed and and lose by 20 every night. I, I think that this series could go six games. Um, but I, I do think consistency and knowing the stage and being able to perform at that level, that edge has to go to Golden State. And they don't have to play with that pressure. Like, if they can split one of those games in Sacramento, I think Sacramento's going to feel the pressure of having to win at Oracle. And despite how bad Golden State was on the road, they were pretty fucking good at home. So you you have to give the Golden State Warriors a lot of credit. They can easily win one game, shit the bet on the other, go back to Oracle, win both of them, and they're up 3-1. Series is over. That's just how it's going to go down, likely. I do agree with Raj. Um, yeah, going back to my first point with like Sacramento being a team that was 23 and 18 at home, you know, as great as their home crowd is, they haven't been great at home. They've been the best away team in the Western Conference uh, this season, which maybe bodes well, you know, when they get the Golden State. Probably not, as Raj mentioned, uh, because it is a whole different ball game in the playoffs and they don't have a lot of experience going into it. And it's just pretty much unprecedented to see like a really young team who has very limited experience come in and beat the champs, right? It doesn't happen very often. Like the only time I can think of that really happening was, you know, the Dallas Lakers series from way back when, but that was like a veteran laden team, right? With a Dirk Nowitzki team that won the championship, they came in and just destroyed the Lakers in the second round. Um, So I I just can't see that happening. But if you're going to make the case for Sacramento, they do have one thing in their favor that I haven't really heard anybody bring up. And that's Mike Brown, right? You could sort of trace this back to like the Golden State um, Mavericks series from however many years ago it was now. Stephen Jackson, Baron Davis, you know, Don Nelson led team. Like Mike Brown knows the Golden State Warriors in and out, right? So that is the only way besides Fox and Sabonis playing out of their fucking minds where I can see them potentially having a shot in the series is because Mike Brown knows that team in and out. He can game plan against them and maybe somehow find something that we haven't thought of yet and turn that against Golden State, just like Don Nelson did, putting all these small you know, small forwards on Dirk Nowitzki and just completely ruining the Mavericks' offensive game plan. Yeah, face guard Steph and Clay. <laughs> every you can't team... face guard them, though. Yeah, every team's tried it, and they failed. Yeah, face guard Clay. Clay's not hard to face guard. He just elevates over you, but he's not hard to face guard. Steph is obviously a different story because he doesn't stop moving. You have to get in front of him first. But and then the, fire, the, the, the King's firepower is there, man. The, they like, can we go. keep talking about how another team plays like much defense, but that means one of the like that means that the Warriors have to outscore the Kings in this the situation and, that we're and talking just, about. And they just have more experience doing that, and I trust them more. I trust the players that score more because they've done it on the biggest stage in the last seven years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're really putting all your trust into Steph and Clay. Let's be real. It's not that you're trusting this whole core. You're not trusting Draymond to score for you. You're not trusting Kevon Looney to score for you. I'm not trusting Wiggins, Keegan. Eh. I'm not trusting yeah, like you, Murray to put should. up. Like uh, yeah. th- th- again, there's question marks. I I I think this matchup is probably like I think less interesting than the other established matchup in the West. Um, 
the Clippers versus the Suns. No. Really? Yeah. I think that could be a fun matchup. I'm going to enjoy watching this Kings series way more than the Suns series. Yeah, I think the Kings Warriors is way funner. I don't think the Suns Clippers series is going to go very long. I would bet that the Warriors Kings series goes longer than the Clippers Suns series. Kings in seven. Oof. No, I, I say war- Warriors in six. I agree. Okay, Raj, so let me get this straight. Instead of wanting to watch, like, two of the highest scoring teams that we're going to see in the playoffs, you're opting to watch, uh, like, a, a mid-range duel here between the, 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 the Clippers and the Suns? Is that what I'm understanding from this? Yeah, hear me out. I think... From a scoring point of view, Golden State and the Kings are more like it's more aesthetically pleasing to watch. But I don't think those I don't think every game is going to be as closely contested. I think some teams are going to get a little like they're going to be shooting better than the others. Uh, I think the game, some of them, the fourth quarter, the last five, six minutes won't be as tight just because the game's out of reach. Uh, I just think the Phoenix Suns Clippers game, I think the Clippers will try to slow the game not down, but try to limit the number of possessions and make it so that when you're watching the game, it might be a four or five point game for most of the games in this series. And when you have a player like Kawhi Leonard, and yes, he's been injured. Yes, he hasn't been playing that much in the regular season. and um, But obviously, Katie has his own injuries. Uh, there's always an element of he's going to keep you in some games. And I think that's an interesting matchup because I do think like Lou is a a good coach. He's getting the most out of the players he has. Um, And I think overall, a lot of the things that the Phoenix Suns do extremely well, the Clippers have the personnel to handle it. That's why I think it's not going to be as straightforward. And I think it'll be an entertaining, like each game will be pretty close. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun series, but ultimately with Paul George being out of the lineup, the Clippers just don't have enough perimeter defense to be able to stop both or slow down both uh, Booker and Kevin Durant. And one thing that was interesting to me in the last 10 games was they basically turned Chris Paul into a spot-up shooter, and he is hitting a lot of threes, which he's never really done in his career where... He was actually just catching and shooting and playing like the Jason Kidd on the Dallas Mavericks uh, championship run type of uh, of role. Like, I've never seen him do this before. And you see some of the games, he has like two assists in the game. You're like, oh, okay, I guess things are changing and they're starting to figure things out now. Because that is his ideal role right now. He can run some secondary pick and roll. But if you want to keep him healthy throughout the playoffs, I think that's the perfect role for him in the first couple rounds at least. And then once you need him in the fourth quarter, then you can revert back to you know having Kevin Durant in the strong side corner and then you got to make a decision whether you give the lob to Aiton or you give up a three to Kevin Durant and the couple teams that they played when they had the full lineup teams just couldn't figure that out so it's that's a lethal option to have obviously and the Clippers like they're probably going to put Nicholas Batum on Kevin Durant I guess in the starting lineup and uh, good luck <laughs> I mean anyone you put on Kevin Durant is you know good luck right even yeah, but at least with Paul him. George and Kawhi in the lineup, you could like rotate those guys, and then you know at times put uh, maybe Covington on them, mix it up a little bit, play some zone, try some different stuff out. But it just feels like the Clippers have way too many small guys in their rotation right now. 
mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to keep up with Phoenix. Like who does where does Kawhi sit on defense? And is he staying on Booker? Or are you having him roam off a of Koji, a Kogi, or Craig? You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I would have Kawhi as a guy that's probably on a Kogi, and then you have him as you know the the guy who just tries to muck everything up, sort of like what LeBron does in a lot of different matchups. Where you try, you have to rest Kawhi. Like you can't have him guarding one of those two guys for even like half the game. And then also expect him to be like robot Kawhi where he's averaging 35 points in the series, right? Like you need to give him some rest time. And with that, you need Westbrook to be as good as he has been so far with the Clippers. And, you know, he's shot like 49% from the field. He's shooting the three ball pretty well so far with the Clippers. So you're relying on a lot of things to happen in order to even stay competitive, let alone win the series. But it's just hard to see that happening. Uh, so, so what are are the lineups going to be like, I think for Phoenix, it's pretty much established. Like you're going to have Paul Booker, Okogi, Durant and Aiden. Um, and then I'm assuming for the Clippers, they're going to go with Westbrook, Gordon, Leonard, Batum and Zubak. That's a starting five. I think in the closing five, you're going to have probably Powell. Yeah. For the Clippers. And, and they do yeah. have, like, Terrence Mann. Like, again, not to say that they're consistently going to be dominant players, but they have some bodies that, hey, they can play pretty well. They can kind of disrupt. Like, they have Powell. They they have enough, I think, in the backcourt. I just think they don't – that wing depth, which they were known for, like, unless Covington somehow returns to 2017 Covington. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be really the question mark because they only really have, like – I think it's going to be Batum, Leonard, and uh, on on KD. That's about it. I don't know who else, and maybe some Covington. Yeah, that's pretty much what you can expect out of this, right? And then, uh, you know, a little bit of Terrence Mann or Eric Gordon trying to stay in front of Booker. Yeah, and, and then you... hopefully stays in front of Chris Paul. I mean, they'll, they'll probably yeah. just be hanging out most of the game, to be honest. And then I, I honestly don't hate the matchup. Like, they have two different types of bigs. Like, I think Plumlee actually could be a a good, not a good matchup, but I think him and Aiton, like, I think there's not a huge mismatch that... And, again, Aiton's not going to take advantage of Plumlee being in the game, and uh, he needs to be set up more. So, again, I, I think the big thing is they obviously have to control KD and limit the bleeding there, but... If the game is close and you have Kawhi, like, you have a chance in the game. And I think they're going to limit the, the games to, like, in the hundreds. And uh, I think the Clippers, again, have a fighting chance. Probably a bigger chance than uh, people are giving them credit for. Yeah, the hundreds is like the new 90s from, you know, 10 <laughs> years ago even, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if Kawhi outplays Kevin Durant, they have a shot in the series. But... It's just hard to see that happen with, uh, you know, Kawhi having so much on his shoulders, not only the scoring load, but again, like he's probably going to have to end up guarding at least Devin Booker and then, car- you know, guard Kevin Durant in crunch time. And is he going to have enough energy for that? Is he going to stay healthy? Uh, who knows? But yeah, again, like I think the Clippers are just too small overall, especially off the bench, bringing in Highland. Terrence Mann's a pretty good defensive player too, but can he guard Booker? Probably not. So I think the only real advantage besides, you know, Kawhi just going nuclear is, uh, again, going back to the Sacramento-Golden State series is coaching, right? Because Ty Lue has been a phenomenal playoff coach. 
So if he can muck up the game like you mentioned, maybe even go small, play Covington at the five, try to play the variance game, shoot a ton of threes, hope he get enough rebounds to win the game, play some zone defense. Um, maybe they can win a couple games, but I don't know. I think Suns in five. I mean, this all lines up because the Suns are pretty much the favorite to come out of the West at this point, right? I mean, they were the favorite coming out because they caught Kevin Durant and going 8-0 with a guy, even though it was against soft competition. It's a good, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Predictive measure here? Yeah. Like, I, I think the the Suns are, like, to Peter's point, I think they're the favorite. They're probably going to come out of the West, but hey, I think the Clippers will push, and it's a shame that uh, PG's not able to play, obviously, with the injury, but uh, I think it'll be five good games. That's why I'm interested, and I don't know, I, I like to see playoff Kawhi. You know what? Like, we, we just completely, in the last, I realized, in the last month, we just completely disregarded the entire East. Like, the East just doesn't exist. I don't think we've talked about once the play-in teams, because, like, there's such a big discrepancy between the top four in the East and any other team. <laughs> okay. So why don't we preview the two playing games quickly? Yeah. Like as quick as possible, please. <laughs> Raj just wants to continue neglecting them after saying that we've neglected them. Yeah, what, is, what is that? <laughs> what was the point the of that? Disrespect. I'm just oh, saying like, I, I honestly, I don't think we've mentioned the Miami heat in the last month. If it was up to me, we would not mention the entire year because they are the most boring team in the NBA to watch. Like every other team, even the tanking teams have something where you're just like, no, they're not. Yeah, maybe Relax. I'll tune in for one of these guys, but no, come on, you're so boring. you're not you're not watching the San Antonio Spurs over the Miami Heat, okay? Let's relax. At least early in the year, the Spurs were scoring a ton of points, and you were like, eh, I can watch this team against certain teams, but now obviously you can't. Do when that. when was the last time you watched a Spurs game? I mean, Even I'm for like watch two minutes. minutes. <laughs> this guy's like Tony Parker was playing in it. <laughs> <laughs> Patty I think Mills. Kawhi won finals MVP day. that year. <laughs> they, might have, they might have still had DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge on the team. Come on, man. Playing Pro- the beautiful game. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, are we going to talk about the Miami-Atlanta yeah, matchup? Yeah, let's get, yeah, let's let's get into it. this Atlanta-Miami <laughs> at Miami game. Uh, is it safe to assume that Miami's just going to trap the hell out of Trey Young like they always do? He's going to commit a lot of turnovers, and uh, Miami just walks away with this. Pretty much. Next. Well, then. I mean, this is the <laughs> reason why they paid, or they got DeJounte Murray, right? So he can fill in when Trey Young is getting double teamed, and he can be the secondary creator. And Quinn Snyder is an you know offensive genius, right? So you would think he'd be able to figure out some things that Nate McMillan couldn't last year, to where Trey Young had maybe like the worst series of a... I mean, if you're going to call him a superstar player, but all-star level plus player maybe in there the history go. of the league. I think he was horrible. I think he shot like 24% from the field or something crazy like that. He's the but, next step uh, party, remember? I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Miami has made some changes recently. Like, they stopped starting Kevin Love. They played Max Struess over him. And I think they, you know, their offense started to go up again. And their defense obviously went way down but they won some games. Um, but in this matchup, they have a lot more guys on the court in that, in that case where Atlanta can sort of expose, you know, Max Struess at small forward or power forward, right? Um, 
But ultimately, this matchup, like you're, you're going to go with experience, I think. And Jimmy Butler's the best player in the in the actual game, so I think you have to lean Miami, obviously. Yeah, I think you just look at the games that they played against each other, and if I'm not wrong, the Miami Heat are three and zero against the Atlanta Hawks, and um, that plus the experience, plus the way they they just play, they kind of grind out games and. In a one game, actually no, sorry, they're three and one. Um, but uh, in, in playoffs or playing games, you just need to grind out games, and Miami's good at that. They've been doing that all year. The one thing I will say, I do find it funny how like the Celtics fans are going crazy about having to play Miami potentially, and them being scared of Miami. Like, if you're going to be a championship team, you should not be scared of the Miami Heat, who can barely even score, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually agree. think that'd be a fun. That'd be a fun first round series just because like you have Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra is obviously one of the top five coaches in the NBA. So he might have some different looks and he gets the best out of his players. And that'd be a good eight seed. Like that'd be a very good eight seed. But yeah, if you want to win the championship, you got to beat the teams in your conference. Like quit complaining. Yeah. And <laughs> It would be so funny if, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler goes in there in game one and he just becomes their boogeyman and scores 40 points and Miami wins game one on the road. Because they were this close to beating the Celtics in game seven, right, after they made that huge comeback in the last minute of the game. So if that happens, like, all the Celtics people are just going to be crapping their pants. It would be hilarious. <laughs> they also lost to Miami but moving on. in 2020, right? Didn't they lose to Miami in 2020 during the bubble? So there's a lot of, yeah, like, recent history. So. Yeah, there's a lot of recent history between them, so it kind of makes sense why Boston fans would be like, would be scared of this quote unquote boogeyman of Jimmy Butler's status. Yeah, and I, I rather, I rather watch a good series. So you know what, I'm all for Miami ending up in the eight seed, but I don't think they will. It, it does feel like this matchup, if it does happen, does feel like a lot, uh, a lot like uh, Milwaukee versus Miami in the second year when Milwaukee just went and swept them. Because they figured them out and, you know, obviously Miami didn't have the same team as the year before when they went to the finals. Like, this is by far the worst roster Miami's had in the last however long Jimmy Butler's been there, right? And this is the best roster that Boston's had, period. So it it should be a sweep, if not 4-1. Moving on. Yes, let's move on. Chicago visiting our beloved hometown Toronto Raptors, who will likely not have a head coach come... July. Just yeah. Putting it out there, you know? Interesting sounds timeline like, with Nick Nurse. <laughs> yeah, sounds like Coach is uh, going to do a lot of reevaluating this summer. But nonetheless, do we think that, uh, that the DeMar DeRozan-led Chicago Bulls with, I think, like a, the top defense since the All-Star break or since the trade deadline, like one of the best records? Um, okay, better better question. Let me rephrase. Do we think that Pat Beverly is going to jump on the tables at Scotiabank Arena after winning a game. He will try. That is the guarantee. And cause an international incident. No. <laughs> he won't be able to Pat fly gonna jump. He's going to jump on the table after he loses a game. Will he do that? He'll do jumping on something. Um, but in real, like, in real terms, I don't think Beverly is going to be any bit an X factor or a factor in in this game. I think it ultimately will come down to how well Fred Van Vliet plays. 
if he plays good to above average, the Raptors could win the game. If he plays below average, then they're going to lose. That's basically my X factor. Yeah, for me, I think it comes down to who are the better shot makers. It sort of goes in your whole Fred Van Vliet thing in this game because the I mean both teams have trouble scoring in the half court, which you wouldn't really think with Chicago because they have three guys that should be good half court scores, but then you're playing two guys off the ball and Caruso and Beverly that just you know teams don't have to guard right. And then Toronto just has not been able to score in the half court for like two plus years now. <laughs> and Toronto has the better starting five and they are at home. So they should have the advantage, but I just don't trust their offense in this kind of game where the game's just going to be in the mud. Like you're talking about, you know, teams keeping each other in like the hundreds um, in the playoff series. This game is probably going to be in the nineties at, oh, at most, I would say a hundred percent. And, in crunch time, I think I trust their guys to make more plays than I do our guys, honestly. And I think that, you know, Toronto's probably the Minnesota Timberwolves of the East where they're just going to flame out, be in the lottery, which is probably going to be a good thing for them. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to lose this game. I think Chicago's going to win. Yeah, I I can possibly. Again, there's always a chance in any game. If Fred Van Vliet scores more than 27 points, they have a chance. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's not like a shame on Fred Van Vliet. Like Josh mentioned, they just aren't good in the half court. Um, I think consistent, like you you know what you're getting from Siakam. Um, usually a combination of OG and Barnes amounts to uh, the same amount of points. He heard Toronto Raptors and he just had to barge right in, eh? This guy's been opening doors. Bring him on the pod, man. Let him say his piece. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, neither of you guys have the Raptors. Uh, just because uh, I, I want to see them make the playoffs. I'm going to say with the Raptors. I would love to I, see them. Uh, but Whoever wins this game between Chicago and Toronto, I think is going to beat Atlanta. It doesn't matter who it is. I think they're going to win. I hope it's Toronto because I don't want to see Chicago against Milwaukee. I think they would just be dead. I also think the Hawks versus Milwaukee would just be dead meat. Raptors against Milwaukee? They'd a still bit be of dead. a challenge. They'd, oh, they'd be awful. But at least it would be like somewhat entertaining. Because they have length at least. Yeah, and plus, I mean, the Raptors do have Nick Nurse. And he's thrown a lot of different stuff at Giannis the last, you know, however many years. So, sort of like Spolstra against the Celtics. Yeah. You can put some things into place where you can sort of muck up the game a little bit. But, you know, the Raptors actually played Milwaukee really well in their last game, and they still lost by like 10 points. So, it would just be a very hard series for me to watch as a Raptors fan. I I would actually hope that Atlanta gets the 8th seed in that case because I I think with the type of defense Milwaukee plays – that's the type of defense that the guards for Atlanta can actually exploit and put up some points against. I think that Atlanta would be the most competitive team out of the three between Chicago, Toronto, and Atlanta. Because I think at least Atlanta can actually put up some points against Milwaukee and make it somewhat entertaining to watch, even though they're probably still going to get swept. Swept yeah. is correct. 
So, Josh, you have Atlanta making it, though, over Chicago? Yeah, I would say Atlanta would be Chicago. I'm going to say Chicago over Atlanta. You know what? You're right. You guys have convinced me. I don't want the Raptors, um, mainly because I want the Raptors' prices to go down, like ticket prices. <laughs> so the less they make the playoffs, the better it is for, you know, real basketball fans and less uh, Ben Wagoners. I'm just saying. We're going to somehow get a top three seed in the lottery. That's not going to happen. And then Dallas is going to be out of the top 10, too, and that's just going to ruin whatever they just did. I I can't wait for the Dallas explosion. Do you think Kyrie, just quit, yes or no answers. Do you think Kyrie is a Maverick next year? Yeah. Josh? (sighs) I mean, I I don't think he's going to be, but if he is, he's going to sign like a crazy long-term contract, which is totally going to fuck them over. So I'm going to say no. But for mass chaos purposes, yes, because he's going to get like three years with no team option. Correct. Pure chaos is what we all want. Um, quickly hitting on the other two series in the East, we've got what might be one of the more entertaining and like old school battles between the Knicks and Cavs. Who do you guys have in the in the series? Just give me the give me the winner t- winning team and give me the number of games. Cavs. I want this quick hitting. Five Cavs. Cavs and wow. Okay. Wow. That's a hot state. take. Holy I, th- I think they'll they'll win two at home and then beat the Knicks one time on the road. So then it's three and one. And I think at that point, Jalen Brunson's scary though. But I think just the Cavs have way not way too many. They just they're hitting the right stride at the right point, and they have a lot of different guys that can show up. You know, for me, it really comes down to if Randall plays or not, and it's not in the way that you expect. Because honestly, I think the Knicks have a better chance of winning this series if Randall doesn't play. Come on. And let me explain why quickly. Okay. Come on. It's true. Randall has been absolute garbage in the playoffs, right? Like, he was terrible in his first appearance, and he just has a really tough matchup against Mobley. And the Knicks play faster without him. The Knicks beat Cleveland recently, full lineup, without Randall. I think 10 games ago. And they did that because Brunson took the majority of the offense and Grimes is playing off the ball, playing really well. And he's been on fire the last 10 games. And the Knicks offense just looks way better um, in a lineup against a traditional two big lineup with Cleveland than with Randall in there taking really inefficient shots and slowing down the offense and not playing as fast in transition. And I think having the ball in Brunson's hands a lot more in this series will lead to the Knicks possibly winning honestly yeah but so if randall is not available i would actually take the knicks yeah but the problem and is you're relying on brunson to score 45 or not 40 40 plus points a game which he can like it's not out of the realm of possibility but you're just asking him to do that for every win of the series and i just think that that's not sustainable given the surrounding cast around him I don't think that's true either. I think that, you know, they have a lot of firepower in the backcourt now. Like, Grimes has been unreal lately. But he's what, really 20, stepping into 15, his own. 15, 20 points? Yeah, but then you have Quickly too, right? And then you have Josh Hart playing off the bench too. I, I like the matchup for the Knicks if Randall doesn't play, honestly. But I think ultimately he's going to come back at some point in the series. So I'm going to take Cavs in seven. But uh, I could definitely see the Knicks winning the series for sure. Yeah, well, I agree. I think Cavs in seven, but it'll be tight games. 
Um, Nets at 76ers. I mean, what? Philly and five? Philly and six? I'm going to say six because I want to see the Nets to do a little damage here. I, I'm liking this whole Mikael Bridges becoming Kevin Durant thing. <laughs> yeah, I'd say six. You know, this actually has the potential to be a really long series um, because the Nets are going to throw like double teams at Embiid like crazy, and mm-hmm. they have the wing guys to actually guard Harden. So it actually is somewhat interesting, but I think Dinwiddie would have to play out of his mind for them to have a chance and you trust him to do that? I don't nope. know. Nope. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Philly in five. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Fuck, Mikhail Bridges is fun to watch, man. If you ever, like, the Nets are actually so fun to watch. I love this team. I hope they keep this core. Like, whatever this core is of, like, uh, Bridges and Dinwiddie and Johnson and DFS, just keep these guys together, man. They're so freaking fun to watch. Uh, Okay, Josh, do you have any side corner? I got a bunch of things today, but we'll only go over a couple. Um, to make this quick, can you name the highest corner three-point shooting percentages in the NBA? Minimum 75 corner threes attempted. Which players have the highest three-point percentage from the corners in the NBA? P.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. No, not on Dang. the list. He probably takes one of the most, but... Hmm, hmm. You want the teams? No, no, give me a really second. Give, give, give a sec, a few seconds like here. Steph? No. Nope. Clay? He doesn't take it off the corner. You're thinking of catch-and-shoot guys. Like, these guys aren't... I mean, Steph obviously is a catch-and-shoot player, but he mostly takes them from the wings, right? Hmm. Yeah, you have to find people who are, like, uh, in the corners and teams that shoot a lot of threes. Like, a lot. All right, give us some teams. Denver. KCP. KCP. Nope. Mm. Porter Jr.? Number one, 55% from the corners this year. Wow. Dangerous. Next next is the Brooklyn Nets. Cam Johnson. Nope. Joe Harris. This one might take a few guesses. Nope. It's DFS. Nope. What? Wow. Yeah, this is more than a couple, Josh. Um, who else takes a lot of corner threes? They still have Seth Curry on this team? Yeah. He barely plays, though, surprisingly. <laughs> Royce O'Neal? Nope. Wow. Not Bridges or Dinwiddie, I'm assuming. Oh, my God. It's. Oh, it's one of them? Bridges? Dinwiddie. Oh, Dinwiddie. oh huh? my God. Yeah, you got a lot of corner threes, I guess, in Dallas with Luka. 52%. Sure. <laughs> and next you have a Phoenix Phoenix bench guy. Damian Lee. There you go. 50% from the corners. Philadelphia. Toby. No. Oh, damn. He's actually not been shooting the ball that great from the three. Oh, that's tough. The best shooter on their team. Tyrese Maxey? There you go. 50% from the corners. Oh. And then lastly, Utah. Oh. Larry Markinen. There you go. Nice. All right. 
and quickly. Last one. Yeah. Last one. All right. Make it good. The most contested shots in the NBA this season, and these are all centers for the most part. Centers or power forward slash center. That contest the most shots. Yes. Total volume, not per like hundred possessions. Okay, no. Total Total. volume. Go. (laughs) Rudy Gobert. (laughs) Nope. No, he's Jared Allen. (laughs) Number six, almost. Okay. Hammer him out, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Number one, 1,300. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> by far, man, by the way. Man, I'm happy to hear that he's uh, back after his injury last year. Yeah. Bam? Nope. Hmm. Giannis? Nope. Clint Capella? No, sir. I'll give you the oh. teams. Cleveland. Oh, okay. Mobley. Evan. Yeah. Yep. The Nets. Claxton? Claxton. They attack. Let's go, Nick. Correct. Clippers. Zubak. Yep. And the last one's easy. Utah. Kessler? Kessler. Correct. Wow. Noise. Oh, not bad. Man. I love how you name the team. We just had to name the center. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I was about to We're say running out of time. Yeah, I, I was know. about to say Simon Fantecchio for Utah, but I, you know, I didn't think he would contest enough shots. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad, Josh. Give me something like harder next week. I got one more for you if you want to keep going. All right, let's do it. All right, just this was a quick one, and then we'll go to uh, the best one for last. I'll save the best one Ooh. for last. Oh. Can you name the teams with the highest percentage of points scored by players that are 25 years or younger this season? Okay, number one, OKC. Number two, actually. 91% of their points by players 25 years or younger. Damn. Houston? Number three, 86.5%. Orlando? Number one, 91.7%. San Antonio? Number five, 68.6%. All the scrubs. <laughs> Basically. We're missing one team? The fourth. One team. The worst team in the NBA. Detroit basketball. 69%. Nice. And the best for last. Can you name the most efficient jump shooters in terms of points per jumper in the Mm. 2022-2023 season? So these are the most efficient jump shooters in the NBA this season. Who were the best shooters this year? All right, Kevin Durant. Number two, 1.24 points per possession. Number two? Wow. Mikhail Bridges. No. Damn. Steph Curry. <laughs> Number one, 1.27. Well, now that we got the two best shooters out of the way. Uh, Clay? Clay can't be in it. No, no. 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 He's hit the most threes this year. Yeah. Yeah, but not uh, efficiency wise. How about. And then what's the minimum number of uh, jumpers? 
Uh, it doesn't actually show, but it says among top 50 most active jump shooters. Okay, so among so you have to be in the top 50 jump shooters. Uh, oof. There was someone else. Oh, Kyrie. No. Okay. I can give you some hints when you oh, Joel. feel like it. No, no. no. These are really? three-point shooters because it's efficiency, right? Oh, I guess. Yeah. It's overall efficiency. Oh. What about Devin Booker? No. DeMar. Nope. No. You got to think about three-point shooting. Uh, Dame? Nope. No. Does it qualify? How about Bane? Nope. Whoa. One of these guys is consistently one of the highest volume, but also highly efficient players in the last five plus years. But he often gets overlooked because his defense is terrible. Actually, all three guys, guys, their defense is terrible, honestly. <laughs> a lot of guys that shoot threes <laughs> that don't play defense. Yeah. But play a lot of minutes. Huh. Why are we blanking on this? Is it Harden? Nope. Good guess, though. Yeah. Porter? Correct. Number four, 1.18. Okay. One of these guys got traded in the last offseason. Shoots a lot of threes. To a Western Conference team. Hmm. That has a great offense. Kevin Herter? There Number five, 1.16. And the last guy I think I traded last year, and he's the guy that I was referring to that has consistently been in the top five of overall three-point shooting in the last five-plus years. And he was traded last year? I think it was last year. Either last year or the year before. Time is flying by. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm drawing uh, blanks here, man. End of the podcast. Beginning of the week. I need my sleep. Which conference are we looking at? West. Eastern Conference oh. team that did not make the playoffs. Ooh. Did not make the playoffs? Hmm. I mean, there's only so many teams left. There's only four. It's, it's not Orlando. Boyan Bogdanovich. Nope. Damn. I was, I was really hoping for a... Tyrese Halliburton? Nope. Hmm. Albert doesn't shoot that many threes. Buddy Yield. There we go. Mm. Number three, 1.22. Traded last there year, I go. think. Yeah. Damn. Oof. Okay, well, shut my ass up, Josh. Good job. Yeah, man. Let's stick to naming the centers. <laughs> naming the centers is where we're at. Baby steps. You did very well with that. Oh, yeah. Name the top three MVP candidates. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, Who do you guys have for MVP? Quickly, just the name. <clears throat> just I, I say Jokic again I think there's too much recency bias like Josh, this, this I, year alone I agree we're going to look mm. back on this and be like Embiid won MVP in a year where Jokic's team was first in the conference he averaged a 25 point triple double and shot 63% from the field and okay and again the Bucks have a system. If Giannis didn't play, obviously they would be nowhere, not nowhere as good, but none of these guys, if they left their team, their teams would be great. But the Bucks system would still maybe put them on a fringe playoff team. The nut, the Nuggets would be pretty god awful without Jokic. And 
Um, the, the Sixers would be god awful without Embiid too. The Sixers have, have a, better, a better win percentage without Embiid this year than with him, even though Whatever. it's only been 15 games. Or Whatever, but still, come on. Yeah, yeah that's that's not just something saying. you actually want to rely on. Yeah, but the Sixers have a better record than the Nuggets. I'm just saying, just putting it out there. Something to think about. I'm, I would vote Embiid. And on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify, all your major podcast platforms. You can find us on all social media accounts. I'm talking Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace. Peace.